All right. So for many weeks now, we've looked at Matthew 24. And tonight, we're going to begin the thought of the elect. And in particular, Matthew 24, 29 through 32 says, if you turn there, I'll let you get there. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send forth his angels with a sound of a trumpet, and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, from the fig tree, learn her parable when her branches now become tender and put forth its leaves. You know that summer is nigh. So, when we read this, Jesus, in particular, sending forth his angels, gathering his elect. What's this talking about? Okay. What is this talking about? Well, kind of like I did in the last part of this that we looked at, I kind of let it out of the bag and then worked back toward it over a period of time. And I'll do the same here. Here's what I believe he's talking about. The word angel is a messenger or ministering spirit. Okay. So if he sends forth his angels, messengers, or ministering spirits to gather his elect, I believe he's speaking of the apostles and ministry there in that day. Because if I keep this in context to the start of Matthew 24, Jesus told them, not one stone will be left upon another, and all these things shall be fulfilled in this generation. And so the angels were going to gather the elect out or unto the Lord according to this set of scriptures. So he shall gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. Now, Paul says we, now this gathering, while this happened in Jerusalem, this gathering unto the Lord hasn't stopped since that day. We are gathered Together, Paul writes as one, right? So, so that's what I believe this is saying, and we're going to break this down. So I'm not going to just tell you what I believe this is saying this and, and go on. But 
a couple of scriptures and, and I'm going at this a little bit different than I had planned to tonight. So, so I'm just going to follow the leading of the Lord in this. A couple of things when I look at the angel here, if I go into the book of Hebrews and it says in chapter one, verse 13, it says, but of which of the angels have he said at any time, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy foot, the footstool of thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to do service for the sake of them that shall inherit salvation? Now, who were the ministers of salvation? Well, we are today, right? So, I, and I'm not telling you there's not angelic beings. I'm not telling you that either. I'm not telling you that there's not angels in heaven. So I'm not saying that to you, but I, but I believe that what's being said here is speaking of the apostles and disciples that were gathering the elect of God unto Christ, because only in Christ are you elect. So he shall gather together his elect. Well, you're not elect. You're not the elect of God unless you're in Christ. And that's probably coming in the next lesson on this or lesson after this, where you really get into the elect of God. But the elect of God himself is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are made the elect in him. And we'll leave that alone right now. But, he is, but the angels are called ministering spirits sent forth to the heirs of salvation. Well, who did Jesus send forth? Well, in the book of Matthew, or actually, let's, let's look at the book of John here. Book of John, verse chapter 20, verse 21. John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Okay? So again, coming back to Hebrews, he sends them forth to the heirs of salvation. Jesus was sending the apostles for, to who? The heirs of salvation. <laughs> okay. Now, in Ephesians 4, which we quote often, it says he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the perfecting of the church, to bring them forth in ministry, to bring them forth into the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, to the stature of a perfect man. So again, the ministry is sent forth as the heirs of salvation, according to the Scripture. Now, Jesus makes a statement also in the Gospels, and I'm going to see if I can find one of them here momentarily verse chapter 22 matthew 22 29 through 30 
he says, I'll let you get there, Matthew 22, 29 through 30. But Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as angels in heaven. Okay. Now, again, what are angels? Ministering spirits. Okay. So in the resurrection, he told the disciples there they would be as, or he told the Pharisees and Sadducees that you do err, that in the resurrection they will be as angels, neither marrying or given in marriage. In, in, the, in the flesh we marry, we marry and are given in marriage. But in the resurrection, we neither marry nor are given in marriage because we're married into the Lord. Now, if I, if I take the resurrection as an event, this is hard to understand. But if I take it from the standpoint that Christ is the resurrection, that's what we believe. So, so if he's the resurrection and the life in the resurrection, we neither marry nor are given in marriage because we've been given into the Lord. We're married into the Lord. Now, in the earth, again, we're married. I have a wife in the earth. But I'm dealing with that in Christ. That's what I'm dealing with. So, so again, to substantiate the angels Jesus sending forth here in the book of Matthew as the apostles and uh, disciples, that's what I'm substantiating, that I believe that's what he sent forth, to gather them unto the Lord. And according to Josephus, the historian, and, and I'm not telling you Josephus got everything right because he was a historian, and I don't know a whole lot about Josephus's life, but, you know, what I've read about him, what people have talked about him and so forth. But he's, according to him, the Christians did not die in Jerusalem, those that were there at the destruction. Now, there were those that were being tor uh, tormented, fed to lions, uh, murdered, killed, so on and so forth. But there, when they destroyed Jerusalem, just as Jesus had told them to get out of Jerusalem, according to the historian Josephus, they got out of Jerusalem. Now, that's according to the historian. So, with that being said, again, they are gathered out unto the Lord. Now, they were gathered out before they were literally taken out of Jerusalem. Because just like we're gathered out, we've been gathered out of the old man, right? Unto Christ. We've been brought into the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're gathered into him. Glory to God. So, so here, in, in, in this setting, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and, and then, then to substantiate it a little bit more, just build upon it. In John 2, John 2,
in verse, actually John 1, excuse me, John 1, Jesus dealing with Nathaniel. Verse 47 says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I've made this comment before. That is backwards to what we probably think. Because here, and here's how I mean it's backwards. We think the angels are descending out of heaven and ascending back into heaven. Jesus said, hereafter you shall see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. How are they ascending and descending upon the Son of Man? Because, because we ascend, as believers, we ascend in Christ, in the heavenlies. You know, Paul said we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? We're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. How are we seated there? We're not seated there as an earth man. Are we? No, our, our earth body is still here in the earth, but we're seated in the heavens by the Spirit. That's how we're seated there, by the Spirit. How tangible is the Spirit? I can feel the Spirit. I can hear the Spirit. I can know the Spirit of God, but I don't see the Spirit. But I know the Spirit because of his glory, his nature, his peace, his joy, everything that comes in the Spirit, right? So, so by the Spirit, we ascend in Christ. That's how we ascend. Now, by the Spirit, we only ascend in Christ. We can't ascend into heaven any other way but in him. I can't ascend into heaven of my own free will. I ascend in him. And, and, and when you get into this and you get into the angels of being the messengers of God, the ministry of God, there's no place this is plainer than the book of Revelation itself. In the book of Revelation, I think it's two different times, John went to worship an angel. And that angel didn't say to John, I'm, a, I'm this heavenly angel being. <laughs> he, he said unto John, I am one of thy brethren, the prophets. Worship God. 
And, and that's, and that was not one time, I believe, I believe that was two times. I am of thy brethren, the prophets. Revelation, one of the times is uh, Revelation 22, 9. If you, if you want to turn there. Verse 8, start verse 8. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship both for the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, see thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. So the angel that John, at least one of the angels John was receiving from, declared to be a fellow servant of thy brethren. Worship God. Now, getting a hold of all of this, especially with what we've been taught, can be very difficult. Because our minds have been geared to believe certain things. And then, and then when you get into the angelic beings, if you want to simplify, simplify the statement angelic beings, heavenly beings. What makes a heavenly being? Jesus, even though he was walking in the earth in the flesh, he was a heavenly being. I'm going to repeat this again. Jesus, although he was walking in the earth in the flesh, he was a heavenly being. He was the Lord from heaven. How was he a heavenly being? He was born of God. That's how he was a heavenly being. He was born of God. God was his father. You know, the, they told Mary that that's being born in you is of God, shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and you shall bear a son. So, so Jesus was heavenly in earth. Now, to really put this forth, so are you. What do you mean, Brother Wayne? You've been born of God. So if I've been born of God, then that would simply make me heavenly, just being born of God. Okay? Because I'm born of God. See, see, in the concept of our minds, man has made heaven greater than God. You know, when we all get to heaven, and like the, like the old song, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. When we all get to heaven, then of course it goes on to say, when we all see Jesus. But the concept of heaven has been this place and state of being, you know, where everything's happy. Well, to me, that's God. You know, you know, in, in, in the mind of man, that, that's a place where all the, the cares of this world are, are let down and, 
and this, that, and the other. They're, they're no, we're no longer bound to the things of this world. We're now, you, you know, free. And, 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 and there, there's probably some truth to that when you put off this natural flesh, that you're not bound to the things of the world. But you're already God. You've already been born of God. I don't mean you're God. You're not God, but you're already God's possession. I want to I want to clarify that so somebody doesn't misunderstand me. I'm not. I said you're already God's, not not meaning you are a God, but that you belong to God. He possesses you. You already do that, and you do that through the new birth. You're born of God. So that would make you a heavenly messenger, if we can hear it, because we're giving the message of God. We're speaking a language. If we're speaking out of God, we're speaking a language that man himself doesn't know, the natural man. He doesn't know the language of God, not just speaking in unknown tongues. You know, I, I believe the unknown tongues, to a certain degree, represents the heavenly language and understanding that we have in Christ. It's not known to man, right? So we, so we come into an understanding, we come into a reality right here in the earth that the natural man doesn't know. I never knew this as a natural man. I never knew this as Wayne Shelton. I could read the Bible but I didn't know this. I didn't know what I'm declaring today. I didn't know what I'm feeling today. I didn't know what I'm seeing today. I only knew this as I come to know the Lord and be and come to belong to him. And see, as I've come to belong to him, I've come to know this. Glory to God. So, so we, as his body, you know, again, if you're his body, you're heavenly. If you're his body, if you're really his body, if the church is really his body, the fullness of him, there is none more heavenly than Christ. So if I'm a member of his body, that would make me a heavenly being. And then Paul tells us our citizenship is in heaven. Paul says, we have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to an innumerable host of angels, of heavenly beings. And we're speaking, in one place Paul says, we have our conversation in heaven. This is a heavenly conversation, a spiritual conversation. That's what it is. So, so people are gathered out of the earth, not by the wisdom of man, but people are gathered out of the earth through the Spirit of God. Amen? Can we all agree with that? Absolutely. So when he sent forth his messengers to gather out his elect, I believe he was dealing with the apostles there, and he was sending them forth throughout Jerusalem to gather them out unto him because Jerusalem was going to be destroyed in context of that scripture. I don't think this is a necessarily a future event, but I do believe 
We are still being gathered into the Lord. We are still being gathered into the Lord by this heavenly word. So while, while I do believe in, you know, contextually, this was speaking of the apostles of that day, this is an ongoing process that has gathered us to the Lord, that this message, this voice of the trumpet, and there's so many things I've got to say in this, it's going to take a little bit of time to break it down. This voice of the lamb, the voice of a trumpet. Brother Jimmy was in it the other night. John heard a voice as a trumpet. And what voice did he, what did he see but the lamb? One like the son of man. He heard the voice of the lamb. He heard the heavenly voice and he saw according to that voice. And you can type, take that type and shadow back to the Israelites. And when they come and went around the city multiple times, what were they blowing? A ram's horn. When they marched around Jericho, speaking of the voice of the lamb. <laughs> and the walls came down. The fortified walls come down through the voice of the trumpet. What gathers us to the Lord but the voice of the Lamb? There's no other voice that gathers us out but his voice. And what does it gather us to? Himself. We're gathered unto him. And just one more scripture on the elect. In, and this is probably where we'll start the next time. In the book of Peter, it says, verse two and six says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So as I mentioned before, Christ is the elect himself. Now it's his elect. Shall gather together his elect. So I'm made elect in him. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we are chosen, selected in Christ. This is our choosing. This was God's choosing before the foundation of the world in Christ. That he would have a people in Christ. That's what Israel was a type and shadow of, a people of God in the earth. Now, they weren't taken out of the earth. They were a representation of God or an expression of God in the earth. They were the elect and precious of God in type and shadow in the earth, but we're not in type and shadow. We're in reality because we are made the elect and precious of God in Christ. 
because God desired that, saw that, formed that in his own heart before the foundation of the world and worked it out in types and shadows over a course of many years and brought it forth through the very person of Christ. So we only become elect in him. Now, a lot of people say, well, we were elect before we were ever born in this, that, and the other. I'm not so sure that's true. Now, God may have known every one of us before we were born. I, I ain't saying he didn't, but the election was in Christ before the world was. And the election was really as far as man goes to whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the water of life freely. So that, that one that will come, who's willing to come to the Lord, drinks of the water of life freely and becomes elect and precious of God. Now it's to every man. The salvation of God, just, just like you read uh, in the scripture and, and people say, well, the Bible says that, that it's God's will that none should perish and, and that all shall come to repentance. Yeah, it's his will. Now, have we seen every man come to repentance? No, it's God's will. Some people say, well, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Well, you can go down that road. And maybe that road is true. But, but there's an, always another way to look at it. God always has operated in freedom of choice in man. Always has. So man has always had the ability to accept God or not accept God, and many choose not to accept him. And that's, that's for another time. But there are those that do not accept God. They do not hear God. They do not give themselves to God. You know, it's, that's just the truth. So it's his will that none perish. All come to repentance. And, and part of that all that I'm going to throw and interject in here, up until the time of the apostles, all that were coming were Jews, unless they come in and became Jews. If a Gentile come in, he had to come in through the old covenant. Now in Christ, it's made to all. Meaning, not just the Jew. It's made to whosoever will. It's a new covenant made to all men. That any can come in, any can become elect, any can become precious, but the elect and preciousness that we become is that of him. And if we don't come to him, we don't become elect and precious. Because that's where God's election of grace is at, is in Christ Jesus. And we're, we're going to look more at this probably next time. So the election of grace, that's in the book of Romans. And I guess I keep talking about it, so I will throw out one more scripture. Romans 9 says, Romans 9, verse 9, for this is the word of promise at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither have done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but him that calls. So, so in type and shadow, God did this 
that the purpose of election might stand. And people go back and try to figure this out. Well, why did God do that? Why did he elect Isaac? Why did he elect Jacob? What was going on here? Here's why. That the purpose of election might stand. Okay, that's why. Well, the purpose of election only finds its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. So, so that was set forth in Israel that the covenant we have in Christ would be, would stand, would be firm. That the truth in Christ would be made sure. So he did it all in type and shadow until he to whom the promises were made came, who is Christ. So it's not in type and shadow, it's in reality. We know this in reality of the person of Christ. When I say it's in reality, it's the reality of the person of Christ. That's how we know election. That's how election stands. So all election is in him. It ain't in you and I according to the flesh, but it's in Christ. Anyway, I will stop there tonight. I'll open this up and uh I'll start with, uh, I'm going to start Brother Jim Wickens.